Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the MLB Early Bird Podcast for the Friday, August the 14th slate. Of course, I am Jason. That is Adam. We are sponsored by Yahoo. Man, I appreciate time as always, man. How's things been, man? Pretty good. Really enjoying having all the all the sports going on. You know, DFS basically from the time I wake up until the time I go to sleep. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I haven't been playing much NBA this week because I just don't know who's going to be playing all game long. Yeah, I was talking about it with Josh earlier. Like, there's more, there's a bigger edge this time of year than any other time of the year. But there's also so much randomness. So, like, like if you had this type of setting for the entire season, all the good players would just make so much money. But with it being, you know, like a week and a half, two weeks long, you still have to get pretty lucky over that that sample to, to make money. So it can be pretty frustrating. Yeah, um, you know, one of the things I was going to mention here, um, obviously saying that we'll talk about the Cardinals a little later on, but it's going to be kind of interesting if they do play this weekend. Uh, they just called up their number one prospect in Dylan Carlson. Outfielder, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally kind of forgot the Cardinals were a team. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> I don't think anyone could blame you. Yeah, just gotten so used to not, not talking about them at all. I, I, I think we're going to be more surprised if they actually play tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. At this point. I mean, but, uh, of course, uh, 15 total games tomorrow, 13 games a part of the main slate. We got, uh, you know, the Nats and Orioles are going to have the continuation of their game, plus they got the game after that. That's not a part uh, of the DK main slate. Uh, Strasburg and, and Malone going for that one. Uh, now the 637 game between the Rays and the Blue Jays, that'll be uh, a part of the FanDuel all-day slate. We're going to get into that too momentarily, but of course, I'll let you know today's show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV Upload and CSV Edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Claim up to $30 in Yahoo Sports reward points by signing up and using the promo code OSMO. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Uh, of course, we can talk about that Rays matchup against the Blue Jays, part of the FanDuel all-day slate. Uh, as we do this show, the Rays have not come out and said who's going to be the starting pitcher. The Blue Jays uh, will be uh, seeing Tanner Rourke on the mound as one-on-one with a 5.63 ERA, 6Ks, and this game is in Buffalo. Yeah, not not too appealing from the pitching standpoint. You know, obviously, like you said, we don't know who's going for Tampa, but Tanner Rourke, you know, on, on a full slate where you have 13 or 14 games, um, you know, facing a, a Tampa team that's a, a pretty decent offense, just not enough strikeout stuff, I don't think, for Tanner Rourke. So uh, not not really on the pitching here. You know, I, I have respect for Rourke as well. We'll have to wait and see kind of how 
the stadium in Buff- in Buffalo plays. I know the the fences are relatively short by major league standards, but it seems I think I remember reading that basically like the predominant wind there blows in, so the ball doesn't carry quite as much as you would expect. And it, it typically at AAA I, I think played pretty neutral, so we'll have to see how that actually goes. Um, but not really looking to pitching. As you kind of head into all these games that are happening in Buffalo, is it more of like you're at that point now of let me see how this park plays before I kind of take a real deep dive in investing in, into uh, you know the Blue Jays or or who they're playing? I, I think I'm basically treating it. Um, the, there was a, a good thread from uh, Derek Cardi on Twitter that he he dug into it. Um, I think in July when they it seemed like that's where they're going to play, and I, if I remember correctly, his assumption was basically that it's going to be mostly neutral, and you know until we have data that changes that, that that's kind of how you have to project it. Um, I, I agree with that. You know, obviously you want to still be projecting this game a, as best you can, and with the available information, it, it seems like it's a pretty neutral part. If it turns out that it's extremely favorable for hitters at the major league level, then you know obviously you change you, you change your projections. But for now, you kind of just have to go with the assumptions you have. And looking at the the main slate that starts at seven oh five, up first we got the Mets and the Phillies. Uh, Jake Degrom scheduled to go for the Mets. Phillies have not announced who they're going to go with. Uh, first up on Jacob Degrom, uh, you know I think I was probably like a lot of people on Sunday that had him as he's got that blister, like I want to say second or third inning, whatever it was, and and you're all kind of like, oh no, and. You know, the MLB notes on this said that uh, he planned to uh, file off the blister between starts and doesn't consider it an issue. Do you think this is an issue for DFS players? I don't think it's an issue. It scares me. Just as someone who's played baseball and had blister issues, I know how they can kind of just keep coming back even as you get rid of them. So it's obviously a little bit concerning, but it's not going to change the way that I attack the ground. He's obviously a really, really good pitcher. His fastball velocity is even up this year, uh, making him potentially even better. Um, not, not the best part for pitchers in Philly. And the Phillies lineup, of course, has some pretty good hitters in it. The ground also is expensive. But, you know, if you can get to Jacob DeGrom, there's no real reason not to. Is there a, a favorite bat you have uh, in either one of these lineups? Depends who's pitching for Philly. Um, pro- I'm guessing, or I can almost guarantee my favorite bat will come from the Mets side, considering the Grom's pitching for the Mets. Uh, just looking at the pricing, though, Brandon Nimmo is still 3400 I don't really know what's going on with his pricing on DraftKings, but um, if he's at the top of the order, he's going to be a really good value. DeGrom at eleven uh, six on DraftKings, is that uh... – is it is it starting, especially with the blister? Does that concern you? You know, paying up that much for him? Yes, because to, to an extent, it, it definitely will depend on ownership. Because when you start getting to a salary that high, you start getting the same roster construction as everyone else that that rosters him basically, and you also have a game in course field here. So you're going to have expensive bats you want to get to there. You have what 26 offenses on the slate, so there's going to be value bats that you can use to get to the ground. It's just a matter of are, are you able to effectively differentiate without sacrificing too much upside? Um, kind of, you know, just scrolling through the slate, there are some pretty solid mid-range pitching options as well. So I think from a tournament standpoint, it's relatively likely I end up not getting to a ton of DeGrom. In cash games, it's obviously different because you just love the floor that he brings. Yeah, he's a highest-salary pitcher on the slate. The second highest is Garrett Cole going for the Yankees up against the Red Sox. The Red Sox have not announced – 
who they're going to go with. Of course, we all you know, we all know how great Garrett Cole has been this year. Three and 3.22 ERA, twenty six Ks. He's recorded double dig- double digit strikeouts uh, for the first time as a Yankee in his last start, striking out ten uh, Rays and four and two thirds. Uh, you know, and, and obviously he's going to be a guy that people are going to look at as well. Yeah, definitely, and he's just below Degrom. If you're paying up to that price range, it, it, all things equal. So if ownership is the same and it doesn't really cost you anything to, to get to DeGrom, I think I would give him the slight edge. I, I think he's the better pitcher than Cole, especially there's at least some reason for concern, not not concern, but some reason to expect Cole to drop off a little bit from his Houston days. You know, for one, you don't know exactly what was going on with that team. Um, I, I tend to think that like the, the, the widespread cheating obviously affected the hitting more than than the pitching, but um, they, they did also have basically every pitcher they brought over suddenly become the best they've ever been. Um, but on top of that, you do get a downgrade with like Gary Sanchez catching for the Yankees compared to who they had in Houston. So I, I do think it's a slight downgrade just in general for Cole. And the strikeout numbers, while they have been good this year, it, they're not quite to the level that they were last year. So, you know, splitting hairs between him and the Grom, but all things equal, I would um, look to the Grom. That being said, you know, if you're giving up anything, for that $600 or if ownership is, is favoring DeGrom, I have no issue going to Cole. You know, the Red Sox have been one of the most undisciplined teams in the league as far as swinging pitches out of the zone, swinging and missing. They're missing Ben Benintendi, who's someone that'll put the ball in play. So it does set up as a good matchup for Cole. Are the Red Sox one of your more notable surprises this year of, of just how bad, you know, just, I mean, there's six and 13 here on Thursday night. Yeah, it's surprising. You didn't expect them to be as good as they have been in the past. Obviously, their 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 pitching is really thin, and they're missing. They they lost Mookie Betts, obviously, but I think it has been surprising, especially on the offensive side. You know, when you look at this lineup, the the bottom's not very good, but when you look at the the middle of the order, it's still some pretty potent bats in there, and it seems like a team that you wouldn't really want to target against. But they, like I said, they've been pretty much across the board in all categories. They're not walking. They're striking out a ton. They're swinging at pitches out of the zone. Um, they're swinging a ton in general. You know, it's, it's just been really bad across the board. Is there an under-the-radar bat in this game that's, you know, from a salary perspective that is kind of intriguing to you? Not that jumps out right now. You know, again, not knowing who's going for Boston, but the Yankees are finally priced up. You have Aaron Judge, who may or may not be in the lineup, but he's at 6,200, which is, you know, Mike Trout levels of, of salary. But even LeMay, now is up over 5K. Aaron Hicks and Luke Voigt are in the mid-4K range. There's no, like, Brandon Nimmo-type value bat that is sitting at the top of the Yankees lineup like you had in that Mets game. Um, in, in terms of the Red Sox, um, you know, I, I know I think you know I've talked with you about this, Terry, about this with JD Martinez. Um, you know, he's uh, he is priced at uh, forty six hundred on DK. Is, is he at all someone that is it? You know, hey, I'll have some shares of him just because you know if he can't get the home run, I wouldn't expect to just because there's so many. There's there's 26 teams to pick hitters from here, and going up against Garrett Cole is such a low probability, you know, proposition. And then on top of that, Martinez is an outfielder. It's not like he's particularly cheap. So there's opportunity cost to the position. There's actual costs for his salary. Uh, I'd be surprised. And and with there being 26 pitchers on the slate, Cole most likely won't have an extreme amount of ownership. So you don't even really get the the leverage there by saying, you know, oh, well, I beat 40% of the field if the Red Sox have a good game. So I, I think it, it'll be really tough because of the slate size to get to J.D. Then we got the uh, Braves in Miami taking on the Marlins. Kyle Wright going for the Braves. Pablo Lopez going for the Marlins, of course, uh, was announced by the Braves. Uh, Acuna is going to be out for this series. 
you know, kind of how, how does that affect your outlook for the Braves uh, heading into the series? It, it obviously waters down their lineup a lot. You know, it's it's their best or you know arguably arguably their best hitter. Um, it's still a, a potent lineup. They did um, kind of trade off some some strikeouts for some power this year, basically replacing Enciarte in the lineup with Marcelo Zuna. Now you'll probably have Enciarte back because of Acuna being out. Um, but it, it's still a, a pretty potent lineup. Um, th- there are some more strikeouts though with Austin Riley and with Azuna. So if you have the right pitcher going up against them, you can you can pick on them a little bit more than you could in the past. But I'm not really sure Pablo Lopez is that guy. Yeah, Lopez 0-3 with a 3.54 ERA and his five starts against the Braves. ERA's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to do, you're trying to uh, emphasize the positives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just just not not a high strikeout guy. You know, going back to last year, 23% to righties, 19% to lefties. It's it's not not the best spot. I mean, if the, the best argument I can make for Pablo Lopez would be that there is the gaming cores. You are going to be trying to find some cheap pitching that, that works out. And there are some strikeouts in, in Atlanta's lineup. They actually do have a relatively low implied run total right now at 4.4 as well. So, you know, take that for whatever it's worth. You know, Marlins obviously have been a little bit of a surprise this year. I mean, obviously, they, they the storyline with them was coronavirus early on, but now, you know, eight and four after uh, 12 games they've played. Any bats in their lineup that, you know, you, you, you like? Jonathan VR is always an interesting play because like on DraftKings, he has shortstop outfield eligibility. So you can play him in a bunch of different spots. He's got speed and some power. So there's multiple ways for, for him to hit his ceiling. Kyle Wright's mediocre. Um, it, it's not a very good park for hitting, which is, is the biggest issue here. You know, Corey Dickerson looks okay as well. There's nothing that really jumps out to me from uh, the Miami side though. Uh, then we got the Indians and the Tigers. Uh, Nova going for the Tigers. Savelli going for the Indians. Uh, Aaron at 9,300. Is he a guy that people should be looking at if they don't want to jump up and take a DeGrom? They don't want to take a Garrett Cole. Is he kind of that next options that people should be looking at? I think he's overpriced here. It's kind of tough because he's started out this season really well as far as the strikeouts go. Um, he struck out 30% of righties, 32% of lefties. It's kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, last year, he struck out 26% of lefties, 16.5% of righties. He doesn't really have the pedigree to be this great strikeout pitcher. So I'm not entirely sure what to make of it. Um, the, the swinging strike numbers to lefties have been exceptional this year. To righties, it's, it's below average at only 8.7%. So and, until I find some reason why his numbers have changed, my assumption is that he's just going to come kind of barreling back to earth eventually and so it's not a really appealing price point the tigers even though they have started out the year well they're an offense that i think you can look to take pitchers against it's just on this particular slate if i'm going to pitchers that aren't top tier you know that aren't cole or degrom level quality i want to get out of that upper price range because i need to make up for it with bats i don't really want to be playing similar lineups as far as bats go and choosing aaron savali while other people are sacrificing one bat and getting to garrett cole uh, you know, obviously, when you look at this slate on, on DK, the Indians' bats are are the top bats for for several. You got to scroll down a little bit to get to the Tigers. Are the Indians a, a team that you're looking at as a potential stack? Yeah, Ivan Nova has been around for a while. He's a pitcher that doesn't miss bats really whatsoever, especially left-handed um, bats. He'll allow power to. Typically, does an okay job at limiting it to righties, but um, against lefties since last year, a 203 ISO. Only a 13.5% strikeout percentage. And so you have Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor, 
Carlos Santana, all with power from the left side. And then, you know, to round out a stack, Cesar Hernandez, uh, Fred Mil Reyes obviously has a lot of power despite striking out so much. So it's a, a team that has a lot of left-handed power, which is nice. They have some bats toward the bottom of the order. They're cheap. So you could actually stack this team and get to good pitching, which is, is obviously beneficial as well. Um, so, yeah, I would expect them to be a popular stack. Then we got the uh, Pirates and the Reds. Chad Cole going for the Pirates and Sonny Gray going for the Reds. Sonny Gray, uh, three and one, uh, 2.25 ERA, 35 Ks. He is coming off a loss uh, Sunday in Milwaukee. Chad Cole, 0 and 0 with a two ERA and 12 Ks. Yeah, Sonny Gray's kind of been my boy for a couple of years, and this is the second slate that he's been the second DFS slate he's been on. Um, I didn't really get the roster in the first time. So I'm excited for it here. Um, Pittsburgh, obviously monster game last night, but still one of the weaker lineups in baseball. And Sonny Gray has really good stuff. He, he can strike guys out at a high clip. Um, it's carried over uh, this year so far. But since the start of last year, 30.5% strikeouts to righties, 29.3 to lefties. He does a good job of keeping the ball in the park as well, um, below a 135 ISO to both sides of the plate since last year. The salary is expensive. But he's another one where, you know, I, I said with Aaron Savali that I didn't want to pay, go to this price range for kind of a, a lower tier pitcher. If I do go to this price range, it would be for someone like Sonny Gray, who, while he's obviously not as good as Garrett Cole or Jacob deGrom, he is, I think, a, you know, a, a much better pitcher than like an Aaron Savali. And he does have the talent to go out there and give you those 30 plus fantasy point games. Is there anything on the Pirates bats that uh, sticks out to you? No, I think, I mean, the, the park is good for hitting. That's about all that there is to say. It looks like there might be some weather issues here too. So there's a chance, even if, you know, obviously there's the potential for rain, but also you tend to see balls carry better in these, the hitting conditions because of the humidity. So that would be, I guess, a, a boost for hitting in this game in general. But um, I just have a lot of respect for Sonny Gray. Of course, baseball is back and get access to all the great Osmo Plus tools and content for MLB DFS with an Osmo Plus MLB Weekly Pass for $15.95. This includes full access to Osmo's leading player projections, ownership projections, and the all-new top pitchers tool and more. Get your pass today. Go to Osmo.com forward slash join to get that MLB weekly pass. Now, uh, next up, we got the Royals and the Twins. Jake Odorizzi going for the Twins and uh, Jacob Junis going for the Royals. Yeah, um, Odorizzi and, and Junis, you know, two guys that give up some power. They, they can get some strikeouts. It's obviously a much more favorable matchup for Jake Odorizzi going against the Royals. Only a 4.2 implied run total for Kansas City. Um, Odorizzi, since last year, he, he kind of fixed – the reverse splits issues he used to have. He used to give up, um, he used to really get lit up by righties and was pretty good against lefties. Still gives up power to righties with a 204 expected ISO since last year, but the strikeout percentage came up to 25.5%. So uh, he at least has that strikeout upside, 28% against lefties. So I, I do have some interest in Odorizzi. Again, he's in that price range with, with Gray. Um, if the weather cooperates for Gray, I, I'd rather go there. But, you know, pairing Gray and Odorizzi, for example, I think would be a, a perfectly viable. Um, idea for Junis, it's a pretty scary spot for a pitcher that he, he has a good slider, but he doesn't really have anything else to get um, strikeouts with. His fastball is below average, and he gives up a ton of power. Now you're facing this Minnesota team that doesn't really strike out and does have a ton of power. It, it sets up actually, I think, to be a really good spot um, for mini stacks or full stacks from the Twins. Odorizzi only going uh, three innings in, in a season debut after coming back from the injury. At, at his price point, does that concern you about rostering him? Yeah, um, because, you know, like you said, you, you, you are paying up. Um, so you, you would 
at that price, you kind of want everything to, to be perfect for him. Um, he threw 71 pitches his last time out. So you're assuming he probably can get to like 85. Um, that I guess would be a, on a slate this big, that's enough to knock him back to where it's probably kind of tough to get to him. Is uh, the Twins, they're always a team I'm looking at stack just because of the bats that are in that lineup. And I know that obviously everyone's looking at that. Uh, the stack there. Um, it, it, are they at a, a top stack for you on Friday? Yeah, uh, Jake Junis, you know, um, just gives up tons of power. Two two fifty four expected ISO to righties since last year. One eighty seven expected ISO to lefties. And even with Josh Donaldson injured, there's all kinds of power in this lineup. It seems like Byron Buxton maybe is finally figuring it out. You know, former top prospect, former number one overall pick, uh, been hurt for basically for for years, but he's showing you know power at the plate. You have Sano, Garver, Rosario, Cruz, Polanco, Kepler. Like the whole lineup just has tons of power, basically with the exception of Luis Arias, who just hit he hits well he just doesn't have power so i think for a pitcher like junis that gives up power it's a really bad spot and for a, a team like the twins there's tons of home run upside anything on the royals that uh you know obviously sal perez is always going to be someone people are going to be looking at but is there anybody else that we should be paying attention to hunter dozier as a cheap one-off if he's sitting in the middle of the order he's only 3400 on DraftKings. i mentioned the strikeout stuff for odorizzi getting better and Dozier does strike out, but he, Dozier also has some power, and Odorizzi does still give it up to righties. So he could be the kind of guy where in, in large field tournaments, you just get to him as a one-off. Um, nobody has him. He doubles and, and homers, and it ends up working out really well. I uh, mentioned about the uh, the Cardinals earlier. They're taking on the White Sox. Adam Wainwright scheduled to be on the mound for the Cardinals. If the Cardinals play, this will be their sixth game of the season. Uh, White Sox have not officially announced uh, who they're going to go with. Now, if Carlson, uh, Dylan Carlson, the number one prospect, is in the lineup, DK has them priced at thirty three hundred. Yeah, they're they're they've been slow on the. Um prospect pricing this year so that that would be the kind of guy that you can go to for value obviously he's going to be more expensive the you know at once he starts getting regular bats you would expect so certainly a value guy that you can look to as long as whoever's pitching for the white Sox isn't like giolito basically you have to imagine if they're calling up their number one prospect he's got to be in the lineup you would think so yeah i mean typically when you see them come up they, they play at least you know at, at least in most games like with uh joe adele with the angels He's kind of part of an outfield platoon now, but he's still getting the majority of the starts because why would you call them up? Just to, I mean, I guess this year it's a little different because they're not missing minor league games, but um, still to, to call them up to start the service clock and all of that, you expect them to play. And look, and if you're a type of player that you're putting your lineup in early and you, you may not be able to get to it as the day goes on, I, like I feel like when it comes to the Cardinals and this entire game, it's got to be buyer beware. Yeah, so what is the... So is it that they're planning on playing, but they need like one more day of negative tests? Yeah. I mean, as of right now, because I was looking right before we started the show, they are scheduled to play. I mean, of course, they were supposed okay. to play today. That didn't happen. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's got to be a buyer beware. Like you, you have to be paying attention all day long to see kind of what the status is. Right. So I wonder if it'll end up being a situation like we had with the Marlins last week where they were scheduled to play at like 7.05 in Baltimore. And then at like 6, they're like, okay, well, the game's being pushed back. We're still waiting on tests. They ended up playing at like eight, but yeah, I, I, yeah, pay attention. Yeah, I will tell you, I was watching Hard Knocks last night, and uh, COVID test didn't look too bad. What those guys were going through. Yeah, I didn't see it, but uh, it, it it wasn't the whole nose like going to the okay. brain. It was just kind of yeah. going in and and swabbing for like ten seconds, which feels like it's the longest ten seconds of your life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I haven't done the COVID one, but I've gotten enough like flu swabs. I, I know that it's not fun. I haven't got the COVID test done, but I know obviously I'll have to be taking one here uh, very sh- shortly since uh, I do work a part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers broadcasting crew. So I'm, I know that I know that COVID test is coming. I'm just waiting for the phone call to say, hey, yeah. you need to go to the facility to get this test done. I'm just I just don't want the whole poking the brain thing. Like, right, that, just, right, yeah. that doesn't look comfortable. Right, exactly. Just just something a little bit more convenient than that. Yeah, I know that, like there's an instant blood test, but obviously they can't do blood tests every day to see where right. you're at. Right. You know, but yeah, that the whole going up the nose thing, man. No, I am. Uh, that, is, that is something I definitely uh, am not looking forward to. Uh, then we got the Brewers and the Cubs. Brand Woodruff going for the Brewers, and Tyler Chatwood going for the Cubbies. Tyler Chatwood uh, looked like he turned a corner at the end of last year, beginning of this year. Everyone started to pile onto him, and then he just got absolutely lit up in his last start. I, I don't think it's – I don't know. I, I'll, I'll be interested to see where the ownership comes in. I, I I don't fully believe in him. I do think he's made improvements. The big thing with Chatwood is that he used to not be able to throw strikes. And even in his last start, he got lit up, but he was throwing. So he didn't walk guys. He just you know got destroyed um on batted balls but um the strikeouts have been better the walks are down i, I think that he probably he has improved he, he's not you know he's still not an ace but this milwaukee lineup is not very good right now you basically have christian yelich and then a bunch of guys that strike out you know, even Keston hira who is good who's one of milwaukee's top prospects has a 30 percent strikeout percentage so there are a ton of strikeouts in this lineup if for example sunny gray's game is you know, really does have weather concerns as we get closer to lock. We talked about Odorizzi having concerns because of the pitch count. You know, maybe you do start getting to some Chatwood just because of the strikeouts that, that Milwaukee offers. It's not someone that I would be that I would be starting my lineups with. But if I build a lineup that I like and I end up in that ninety one hundred dollar range, I wouldn't necessarily rebuild my entire lineup. I would probably just put Chatwood in. Yeah, Chatwood uh, went against the Brewers on July twenty six, six innings, one run. Eight strikeouts uh, in that game. Of course, uh, Chris Bryant's got the left sore wrist. You know, obviously, got to pay attention to that. Um, you know, you know, see if he's not in the lineup, who's going to replace him in the lineup? Yeah, he was a late scratch yesterday, so definitely keep an eye on that. Um, if he's out, it's an even better spot for Woodruff, who keeps being like a mid-range pitcher on DraftKings despite having really good strikeout stuff. He's someone that I roster most slates, and I assume that'll be the case again here because. He's at a price point where you can pair him with a lot of different guys and get different roster constructions. Like you can pair him with one of the aces on the slate and still get to some decent bats. You can pair him with another mid-range arm and, and get to most of the bats that you want. And you're not well, – well, it's not a great matchup against the Cubs. It's not a terrible one either. And you're talking about a pitcher that has close to a 30% strikeout percentage against hitters from both sides of the plate. So you're not sacrificing a whole lot of upside in terms of, of strikeouts. He's affordable. He gets a ton of ground balls as well. So balls in play typically don't do damage against him. Um, I, I think Woodruff will be a good pitching option here. You mentioned earlier in the show about how uh, we got a game at Coors Field, and that's, of course, uh, the Rockies taking on the Rangers. Lance Lynn going for the Rangers. And on, on the Rocky side, you got Ryan Castellini, who it looks like, uh, you know, potentially 75 pitch range could be uh, after going 60 in a season debut. Um, obviously, it's always, always about the bats at, at Coors. But in terms of the pitching, you know, you know, I guess more on the Lance Lynn side, does that interest you at all? Not a ton. I mean, Somewhat because the Rockies are not the best team. You know, they, they kind of have half a lineup, like half the lineup scary, and then the other half probably shouldn't be in the major leagues. And Lance Lynn is obviously a good pitcher. His salary is down a little bit for cores. 
if he were like 8K, I would start to really consider it. 9K, I probably – like I, I would rather take my chances on Brandon Woodruff at 8,200, I think, than go to Lance Lynn and Coors at 9K. So that, that'll make it tough. But he is at least a good enough pitcher where it's easy to see how this game doesn't – or at least the Rocky side of this game doesn't quite go off like you would expect Coors games to. Uh, obviously, you, you got you know Story sixty two hundred, Aaron Otto six thousand, Blackman six thousand. But you know then you start looking at some of those Texas bats: Joey Gallo at, at fifty four hundred, Odor at, at fifty one hundred, uh, Frazier five k. Uh, I guess uh, talk about the the Rangers bats first off. Um, is there one of those top bats that you prefer over the others? Joey Gallo, just always Joey Gallo. Um, Texas as a whole has been just a, a ridiculously bad offense this year. And I don't think they're as bad at you know going forward as they have been because at least the top part of this order is average just to slightly above average. Gallo is, is really good. Chu's good. Solak and Calpin are both pretty average bats. Um, but then it, it starts to drop off. Um, you know, Frazier and Odor do still have some power. Torinos has power. But uh, these guys all will strike out quite a bit as well. But Gallo is the one that really stands out, especially um, Castellani. He, in the minor leagues, didn't have really good strikeout stuff. He may have better strikeout stuff now than he did then. There was an article that I found prior to his first start that said that um, he made changes in the Arizona Fall League. I guess two falls ago, and then he and his strikeout numbers went way up. He started to carry it over to AAA last year and got hurt, and then so we haven't really gotten to see exactly what he is now. Um, but you know, the assumption, even if you assume his strikeout stuff is better, the assumption is still that he's not a, a great pitcher by any means, and that Joey Gallo would have the advantage here. In terms of those uh, top three bats for the Rocky story, Arenado and Blackman, um, it, it, does one of those bats stick out above the others? Blackman, just because he has the platoon advantage, um, Lynn has gotten much better against lefties than he used to be, but he's still nowhere near as dominant as he is against righties. He's only, he struck out 22.5% of lefties since the start of last year compared to 35.5% of righties. Doesn't allow much power to either side, but one of the things that makes Coors such a great hitter's park, in addition to the ball flying, is that the outfield is just so big that putting the ball in play, you get more hits in general, singles turn into doubles, doubles turn into triples. So the fact that Blackman has a much better chance to put the ball in play than Arenado or Story do against Lynn gives him the advantage. When we were here last Thursday night doing the show, we talked about the Mariners and having a 5K pitcher. Uh, he's back here on the mound at, at 5,500, taking on the Astros and Valdez, who is at 8,800. Yeah, um, really tough matchup for Yusei Kikuchi, who struggled his last time out as well. His velocity's up this year. He has a cutter that he hadn't thrown before. So I am optimistic about him, at least compared to, to what I used to think of him, because I figured out pretty quickly last year that I thought he was one of the worst pitchers, starting pitchers in, in baseball. So um, I, I think he's better now than he was. Still not someone that you're really going to be looking to go to all that much against Houston. At 5,500, you know, maybe gets into some lineups in, in large field tournaments just because of, of there being a game in course field and there not really being other strong pitching options down in that price range. But you're not it's not a high probability play. You're not going to feel very confident, nor should you feel very confident in rostering him against all these Houston right-handed bats. Valdez, 19 strikeouts and 17 and two-thirds innings, and uh, he only has three walks. It, you know, is he someone you could look at as potentially there being some strikeouts in that Mariners lineup? I think he's just a little more expensive than I would like. Uh, the strikeout stuff has been pretty good this year, but he doesn't really have a track record of that. In the minors, he wasn't a really high K guy. He hasn't really been since in his limited time in the majors. 
Um, a lot of right-handed bats for Seattle. Some power, Kyle Lewis in particular, and Austin Nola behind the plate. Um, but overall, I think it's just someone where if Valdez were in that like $7,200, $7,300 range, I'd have some interest. But at 8800 I think you're just walking a pretty fine line and, and needing a lot of things to go right. Astros a uh, favorite stack for you? Yeah, I like them a lot because, um, you know, Kikuchi, like I said, he's better, but I'm still not convinced that he's like a shutdown pitcher now. And while you can say what you want about what you expect from the Astros um, minus the technology this year, they, they still have a ton of very good hitters. You know, it's not like these guys didn't have ridiculously good pedigrees and that they were only hitting well because they cheated. <laughs> um, they're still really good hitters. It's still a really, really tough spot for Kikuchi. Yeah, Joe Kelly had another great co- quote today. I, I forget the exact quote, but he had basically another great quote about the Astros being uh being cheaters. Uh, then we got the Padres and D-backs. Lament going for the Padres and Kelly for the D-backs. Yeah, Nelson Lamette, another guy in this 9K range that um, it's not the best matchup because the Diamondbacks do have just pretty solid hitters throughout their lineup and, and not a ton of Ks. But Lamette himself has really, really good strikeout stuff. Um, he, in his, his last start... He managed to – he threw 83 pitches. So he started at least 80 pitches in all four starts. 91 was his max um, on July 30th, his second start of the season. So, you know, if you're expecting around 90 pitches, um, but but has really good strikeout stuff. Um, eight, seven, two, and 11 strikeouts in his uh, five starts – or his four starts this year. This will be his third start against Arizona, which, you know, maybe is a little bit of a concern, but – uh, two very good starts against them already with eight and 11 strikeouts. He's around a 30% strikeout pitcher throughout his career. Um, so at 9,200, I, I think it's another pitcher kind of like Sonny Gray where, you know, yeah, he's not on the same talent level as DeGrom or Cole, but from a strikeout upside standpoint, he's in the same ballpark and you're saving some money. Great note uh, on the MLB app about Lament. His slider is producing a 48% whiff rate and opponents are hitting just 118 against it. Yeah, it's a, a really nasty pitch for him. In terms of uh, the hitters uh, in this game, obviously Tatis is always going to be someone people are going to be looking at. It's always going to be highly priced. Uh, but do you have a fair bat in this game? Yeah, I like right-handed power in general against Merrill Kelly, who has allowed a 234 expected ISO to righties this year, 242 since the start of last year. So Tatis is you know, obviously the first one that jumps out. Off to a great start this year. But Manny Machado, $1,200 less expensive than Tatis on DraftKings. Not sure that he should be that much less expensive. Uh, so he looks like a good value. Tommy Pham is a, a pretty solid outfield value as well. Then we got the uh, Dodgers and the Angels. Clayton Kershaw going for the Dodgers. Uh, Patrick Sandoval going for the Angels. Uh, 10600 for Clayton Kershaw. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, has not uh, produced some numbers that maybe some people had liked to this point. Uh, did get an extra day of rest, though, uh, heading into this one. Yeah, he's just I think it'll be tough to get to him on this particular slate. Um, I, I think Kershaw is still a good pitcher. He's obviously not as good as he used to be. But uh, the thing that makes it tough here is just that he's you know $400 less expensive than Cole. And he obviously doesn't come with the same type of strikeout upside that Cole does. Uh, same goes for Jacob deGrom. And then Kershaw is more expensive than guys that have better strikeout stuff like Lamette, like Sonny Gray. And in DFS, obviously, the easiest path to upside is strikeouts. So I think it's just kind of a, a dead price point for Kershaw where it'll be tough to get to him. That probably keeps his ownership down. But um, I think with it being such a big slate, you won't really have trouble differentiating without being too suboptimal. Um, so I don't really have a whole lot of interest in Kershaw. On top of that, it's not like it's a great uh, lineup for him. I mean, you're, you're talking about going up against Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, David Fletcher, um, a low strikeout guy as is Pujols. So it, it's a tough lineup 
um, to, to rack up points against in general anyway. Do the Angels' bats intrigue you? They're more expensive than I would like. Um, they, they'd be interesting if they were priced down for Kershaw, but you're not really getting a discount on Rendon. Trout's still almost $6,000, so no, not really. Any value bats in this game? AJ Pollock's 3,400 in the righty-lefty matchup against Patrick Sandoval. Um, Pollock, obviously, he's a good hitter. He's, he's hurt a lot, but right now he's healthy. So I think that looks like a pretty good price point. Uh, Chris Taylor is, is cheap as well. So uh, most of the Dodgers are priced up, but um, Pollock and Taylor look like good values. When you talk about Pollock's health, it just makes me think of how many times I have had him in a season-long fantasy league, and yeah. Yeah, I don't play a lot of season long, but when I do, I always end up with Pollock because he falls because no one wants to take the health risk and because I, I, he's good. And so I just end up taking him and then I realize why nobody else wanted him. You just realize he's going to be in that DL spot before you yep. know it. Exactly. <laughs> he, he always starts off good enough, too, where you're just yeah. like, man, I got to steal on AJ Pollock and then <laughs> out for three months. And then, like, he's round third, heading home, and then something happens. Yep, exactly. Uh, the final game on the slate is the Athletics and the Giants. Uh, Frankie Montas going for the A's and Johnny Cueto for the Giants. I'd expect Montas to be one of the more popular pitchers on this slate. Uh, pitching in the best pitchers park in baseball in San Francisco, facing a Giants lineup that's not very good. Um, several guys in the Giants lineup are banged up as well, so we'll have to, you know, there's a chance to get a little bit of a watered down lineup there. Montas has good stuff. He's kind of at this point in his career never put it all together quite yet, but it's there. He throws, you know, like a 97 mile an hour sinker. He gets some swings and misses, uh, has good strikeout stuff, 28% strikeout percentage to lefties since last year because he throws his splitter 25% of the time and gets a lot of swings and misses on it. 23.5% to righties, um, doesn't have that same level of strikeout pitch against them, but still has average to above average strikeout stuff. The salary is good at 8,400. Uh, the park, like I mentioned, is great. So I think Montas will be one of probably one of my pop, more pop, more heavily owned pitchers and one of the more popular pitchers on the slate. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. 8,400, he's got to be a popular, uh, you know, picture that people are going to look to go to yeah i mean like thinking about it in tournaments where you're trying to get upside if you go like frankie montas and then just rotate through the guy basically if you just rotate combinations of like frankie montas sunny gray nelson lamette and then you know a couple of other guys you're spending you know 17 to 18k on pitching you're going to get to the bats that you want and you're not really sacrificing ceiling because both you know, all these guys have such high ceilings of course, uh, football is right around the corner, and we here at Awesome are excited to bring you our inaugural season-long fantasy football and best ball draft kit using the same tools that have helped make Alex Awesome Baker the number one daily fantasy sports player. We've compiled, compiled a package that will revolutionize the way you prepare for fantasy football drafts. For $29.95, our draft kit includes everything you need to prep, including rankings, projections, sleeper tools, loads of content from our experts, and the draft wingman, which will update your team projection in real time based on who you have already drafted and as an added bonus new members of the ffpc your home for pay to play season-long fantasy football leagues and contests get a 35 dollar credit when they sign up for an awesome draft kit which basically makes it free don't miss it dominate your fantasy and best ball leagues today of course coming up on friday the mb strategy show will be myself and greg at 11 a.m and then at 6 p.m i'll be joined by jeff and terry for live before lock uh before we get out of here um is there anything that you believe people need to be paying attention to as we head into friday slate um I, the big thing obviously is just that we're missing like five what five starting pitchers or something like that right now so you know while i, I feel like 
right now I can you kind of like see the slate pretty clearly, and I have a good idea of how I would attack tournaments if they were starting right now. Depending on who's pitching, it can completely change the entire slate, obviously. So that would be the first thing to, to keep an eye on and um, pay attention to the strategy show in the morning for, I guess, you know, hopefully off-the-date pitching. Yeah, we hope so. I hope yeah. so when I start my morning that uh, when I put my sheet together, I'm going to know who, who's starting in those matchups. Of course, uh, let everyone know everything you follow you out on uh, social media, man. Uh, ship my, um, on Twitter at ShipMyMoneyDFS. And, of course, I am at Jason underscore Foy. And that is going to do it for this edition of the MLB Early Bird Podcast, which is sponsored by Yahoo.